With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know what I love about spring games? It's the fact that no matter what happens, no matter who looks good, who looks bad, which side wins, the orange team or the blue team, whatever it is, you can't leave disappointed. There is always a silver lining when you're playing against yourself. It's spring football season. We are so, so glad that you are here. We have a ton to jump into, as we always do on this very show, the People's College Football Show. Lock it in. You have a lot going on. The kids are in the back seat. Maybe you're babysitting, which is the example I like to use a lot. It's okay to be irresponsible. Throw the AirPods in for just a few minutes. They will be okay. Maybe you're at work doing expense reports. This is the escape for you. We're glad to have you a part of this. Now, like I said, spring football games about to get on and popping. We have a loaded, loaded slate this coming Saturday. Charles Power, director and scouting wizard for us here at On3. Dropped an article on On3.com. Would encourage you to go check that out. He gave us 15 freshmen. I'm going to kind of pick and choose from that list and tell you who we're watching here very, very closely. You should be watching all of them, though. For real, go check out that article. Now, Florida State, they got their spring game Saturday. We already previewed Florida, uh, Florida's. We already previewed Miami's, which are leading up to the spring game for Florida State with Thursday and Friday, respectively. But Florida State, they got a big one. They got a big one coming up because they have a big season coming up. So everybody and their mom is watching the Knowles and saying, what do they look like during spring? You know how I feel about this. We only take a temperature, no absolutes. We just take a temperature. But I'm excited to see what the Knowles are like. Sue me. Now, P.J. Fleck, Mr. Row the Boat himself, is joining the show here in just a matter of minutes. This was a really fun conversation because you know P.J. Fleck, man. He is full of juice, energy, and talks a lot about his culture and how he's built it at Minnesota. Also talked about their spring football, what they hope to accomplish in 2023. Also dropped some knowledge on the direction of the Big Ten and how he perceives that going forward with adding USC and UCLA. Now, two other spring games that we're going to preview for you. Ohio State just got a little bit more interesting as of 24 hours ago with Devin Brown who was in the quarterback battle with Kyle McCord, will not be playing in the spring game. So we talked about that a little bit yesterday. We'll talk about it some more today on this live operation we got going right now. We'll preview the Ohio State spring game. Also going to preview the spring game about to get rolling in Aggieland. Texas A&M will have their maroon and white game on Saturday as well. And they are one of the most fascinating teams to watch this coming season we're going to talk about this Saturday, but this coming season as well, just because of the nature of all the things that are moving and shaking in College Station. Guys hitting the portal, guys transferring in, a quarterback change late last year, Jimbo Fisher, Arts and Craft Project on the sideline, Bobby Petrino, maybe he's the OC, maybe he's just there for show. We're going to talk about what to expect and what we're watching in that spring game. But like I said, we're very, very glad to have you here. Subscribe if you haven't already. Shouts to everybody watching live. We're about to have a day here, all right? We can't waste any more time. Like I said... Charles Power, director of scouting and rankings for us here at On3, the best in the business, put out an article on On3.com and said, these are the freshmen that I'm watching. has a list of 15. I picked one, two, three, four, five of those guys that we got to watch specifically closely, but make sure you're locked in on that article. Uh, Charles Power, again, phenomenal work 
over there at On3. But who should we watch intently this coming Saturday? I think the obvious answer for the first guy we got to talk about, how about Arch Manning, quarterback in Texas? And the reason why we got to really pay attention to this guy is because there has been so much made about what he was at high school. Like, so much of what he did during his high school days was kept under wraps. Like, you didn't really see, I mean, not didn't really, you didn't see him at the Elite 11, you didn't see him at the opening or OT7. Like, a lot of Arch Manning talk, a lot of the opinions about Arch Manning are pretty much regurgitated from what you've heard other people say. Yeah, he's good, but if he didn't have the last name Manning, then he wouldn't project as high. Like, there, there's so much speculation about Arch Manning. The beautiful part about spring games, the beautiful part about Arch Manning playing the spring game at Texas, we finally get to see it with our own eyes. You don't have to listen to Jimmy Bob 42 on Twitter. You get to take your own assessment and make your own opinion about Arch Manning based on what you see in the spring game. Now, I would say this. It'll be his first time in collegiate action. Okay, so it's going to be a very big spot for him. The first time the public will really get to see Arch Manning. Let's take our time taking an assessment of him. This is a temperature, not an absolute. You're going to hear me say that a lot with spring football. Now, another reason why this is important. In all likelihood, Arch Manning is going to be the guy that leads you into the SEC if you're a Texas football fan. So the way that I look at this, this is kind of the preview to the movie. Again, Arch Manning, true freshman, been on campus for 37 minutes and lost his ID twice. Give it some time. What you see in the spring game will not be what he is when he takes his first snap in in-game action in a regular season game. But it's going to be fun to see it, man. We get to see number 16 on the field in the burnt orange. And I promise you, whenever he checks into the ball game and takes his first snap in the spring game, that place will be rocking. They've been waiting a very long time to see Arch Manning under center. Another guy that Charles mentions, Peter Woods, defensive lineman for Clemson. Matt Conley for Clemson Sports, the On3 Clemson site, has a really good article out right now about Peter Woods, where Dabo Sweeney was asked about Peter Woods and said, you know, what are his weaknesses? What can he work on? And Dabo Sweeney just kind of sits there for a second and then just says, none. <laughs> he doesn't have any deficiencies. Peter Woods is one of those guys that is going to help Clemson this coming season. Enrolled early, as all these guys did. Six foot two, 300 pounds. When you think about Clemson defensive linemen, they've got a pretty strong resume at that position. Is Peter Woods the next great one? Is he someone who's going to you know, be a top draft pick? It's a little bit early to talk about all that, but the fact that he's had such rave reviews during spring camp it's hard to not get excited. Now, what I really want to see from Peter Woods, I don't doubt he'll contribute this year for Clemson. I'm just confused as to where he will contribute on the defensive line. Because the defensive tackle spot, where you would imagine someone like Peter Woods would factor in, that's a little bit more of a deep spot for Clemson. They don't need a ton of help there. So do we see Peter Woods play a little bit on the outside of the defensive line? Do we see him come off the edge a little bit? I'm excited to watch that. Because I think regardless of... What you think about Clemson this coming season, the calling card for the past few years at Clemson has been the defense. Wes Goodwin going into his second season, how do they utilize a Peter Woods? And also we're gauging for, y'all, for all these guys, but I mean, Peter Woods playing the position he is on, on the defensive line at Clemson, how, how does he factor in when it comes to playing against college competition? He's done it during spring camp. Again, had great reviews, but how does he translate? We'll watch that one very, very closely. But again, anytime Dabo Sweeney says, no, this guy has no deficiencies, and he's a true freshman, he's an early enrollee, you have my attention. 
Okay, very, very, very simply put, you have my attention. Now, we got to talk about Ruben Owens here in just a second, but make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. We talk ball here every single day. We've had a ton of y'all join us in the last few months. Spring football's on and popping. There, there's no more time to be messing around. No more games to be played because they're about to play spring games, all right? If you catch my drift. Now, Ruben Owens, running back at Texas A&M. He was a top three back in the country coming out of the 2023 cycle. He's got some big shoes to fill. He's had great reviews behind closed doors, but Devon A-Chain was a 1,000-yard back. And so from Ruben Owens, I'm just curious to see how he is able to hit the ground running in the college game because in the SEC, you got to be able to run the ball, man. Otherwise, you're getting eaten alive. Especially at A&M, with all the struggles they've had offensively, they leaned on Devon A-Chain to do a ton for them last season. How does Ruben Owens look? I don't need to see him be a game-breaker. I don't need to see him have over 100 yards rushing in this spring game. That'd be nice, but does he look comfortable out there? Is he not, you know, is he reading his keys, or is he just bouncing every other time and just relying on his physical gifts to try and get something done? If it's the latter, I, I get a little bit concerned. But again, it's a spring game. It's a glorified practice, but Ruben Owens is going to be somebody they lean on, I believe, this coming season in College Station. Will he be RB1? I don't know but he's going to be a guy that you lean on in some way, shape, or form. Now, this next guy we got to talk about, I, I don't know if there has been this much hype around a freshman during spring practice that I can remember. And that's USC wide receiver Zachariah Branch. What I want to see for him is just how he, how he translates against college DBs. And we're, we're kind of saying the same thing for all these guys. How do they translate? But for Zachariah Branch... You saw him dominate at the high school level, at Bishop Gorman. You saw him dominate on the all-star circle. Um, the Polynesian Bowl, the Under Armour game, like he's been balling and dominating at every single stop he's been at to this point. And again, coaches are saying, hey, Zachariah Branch, he is the truth. Where does he factor in in the rotation for USC during the spring football game? And then how does he look relative to the kind of hype that has followed him during spring practice. He's going to be a guy that contributes now, whether it's punt return, kick return, playing in the slot. He's going to be a guy that helps USC this coming season. I just want to see how he stacks up in his first you know, live action in the Coliseum. But I'm telling you this, the more he and Caleb Williams get on the same page, just something else to watch for, Caleb Williams ad-libs a whole heck of a lot, and he does that to his benefit, to USC's benefit, but when the play breaks down and Caleb Williams breaks contain, he's out on the run, the wide receivers have to be on the same page with him. And the way you get on the same page with the quarterback when he's ad-libbing is to have done it in practice for a period of time. They've done it for 14 practices, at least when they lead up to the spring game. How in tune is Zachariah Branch when the play breaks down? Because that could be where he really becomes a factor for USC. They got a lot of good wide receivers. I mean, Zachariah Branch is going to be one of them. The volume of receptions he gets remains to be seen. But I'm telling you, the timely plays that he makes for USC will be remembered. I promise you that. Last guy we got to talk about, the tight end from Georgia, Lawson Lucky. Now, Lawson Lucky, similar to Zachariah Branch, has been a hype machine all spring football long. I mean, the, the thing I want to watch, though, specifically for him for Georgia in this spring game, what is the inventory of his skill set? We know he can catch the football. He's got three receiving touchdowns from their last, I believe it was maybe two scrimmages ago. 
He's making waves behind closed doors because he had a big scrimmage with like three touchdown catches, making plays. He's progressing. He's not a finished product, but he's progressing. The thing I want to see is how he looks. Obviously, I want to see it with my own eyes, how he catches the football. But also, what is he like as an inline blocker? Because Georgia, you and I both know this, they like to play not one, but maybe two tight ends at a time. Brock Bauer is going to be one of them. Oscar Delp for sure going to be one of them. If Lawson Lucky can block effectively as well as catch effectively, that just adds another dimension to how flexible Georgia can be offensively. And the more flexible Georgia can be, the more dangerous they are. Like, that's as simple as it gets. Mike Bobo, I don't think, is going to reinvent the wheel offensively. Lawson Lucky, if he continues to trend how he has during spring football, will be a guy that rotate in there. So I don't expect him to overtake Oscar Delp and, and be tight end two behind Brock Bowers, but I do think you're going to see some Lawson Lucky this coming season. Also, he wears number seven. His last name is Lucky. Like, just a tremendous branding strategy by him, if that is a branding strategy. NIL, it's what you're meant for right there. So Arch Manning at Texas, get to see him with our own eyes. Everybody has a take. He should be a three-star if his last name wasn't Manning. I disagree with that wholeheartedly, but you get to see it in the spring game on the 40 acres. Peter Woods, Dabo Sweeney said he has no deficiencies. He's an early enrollee. That's ridiculous. Can't wait to see him in the spring game. Ruben Owens, big shoes to fill. A lot of production left by Devon A. Chain. How much does he look capable of making up for that? USC wide receiver Zachariah Branch landing in a bottle. Fired up to see how he stacks up against the competition. And then Lawson Lucky, the inventory and flexibility of his skill set could, could be a storyline to watch for this Georgia offense. So we'll keep an eye on those freshmen. They're going to be names that you hear in the fall. I'm just telling you right now, watch them in the spring. You'll hear them in the fall and check out that article by Charles Power at on3.com. Now, another spring game we got to talk about. Florida State Seminoles, man. They've got big aspirations this coming season. There, there's a lot on the table for them. College football playoff is within reach. ACC title feels within reach. Those are going to get here when they get here. The fall is going to be a blast. But let's talk about the spring game first, because I think there's some things that deserve addressing. Florida State, true to what Mike Norvell has done there so far, Went to the portal again, wrecked shop, got themselves some players. I want to see how they mesh. They went and got 10 transfers, a couple of big-name guys, Jaheim Bell, the tight end from South Carolina, who was a tight end only on the roster. He played receiver. He played Wildcat quarterback. He played running back. Going to play tight end for South, or excuse me, for Florida State, as we didn't really see him do a ton at South Carolina, or maybe as much as South Carolina fans would have liked. Fentral Cypress, all-ACC corner at Virginia. Sounds like both him and Jaheim Bell have been shining during spring practice, I'm fired up to see them in 11-on-11. Daryl Jackson, transfer from Miami, defensive lineman. He's been wreaking havoc all spring. Quarterback's not going to be live for obvious reasons, but Daryl Jackson, what does he look like? What is, what is that push we're getting up front if we're the defensive line at Florida State? And that's going to be something to watch, too, for Florida State. The defensive line is going to be a factor, and the depth of the defensive line, I should say, is going to be a factor. Because you got the players, if you can stay healthy, Florida State's going to be a problem. Now, the reason why this is important for all these guys and to see how they mesh and to see how they're up to speed within the team, the potential impact of all of these guys is very, very high. To achieve the goals that Florida State has set before them, they're going to need these guys to be a home run in terms of what they provide on the transfer portal side. Because all of them can play. They, they were all ranked where they were ranked in the portal cycle for a reason. 
Do they integrate well to the team? Do they mesh well with what they want to do schematically? The spring game will give us a feel for that. Not an absolute, give us a feel for that. Is Jaheim Bell playing in the slot as well as having his hand in the ground? Fentrell Cypress, how does he look running one-on-one with a Johnny Wilson? I'm excited to watch that. Daryl Jackson, what's the push we're getting up front, like I just said? For Florida State, like I just said, for Florida State to get to where they want to go, they're going to need these guys to play big roles. Okay, They didn't just bring them in to be role players. They brought them in to have an impact. How much of an impact? We just get a peek at it in the spring football game. Really quickly, make sure you're subscribed to this On3 YouTube channel. We talk ball here every single day. Florida State fans, we love y'all, man. Y'all have been rocking with us here for a minute. So shouts out to y'all. And if you haven't yet subscribed, now's the time. We talk ball here, like I said, every day. Talk about your Knowles a whole heck of a lot. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, at JD Pacal. Appreciate y'all for that. Now, with that out of the way, listen, Jordan Travis, we had him on the show. He's that dude. You know he's that dude. I know he's that dude. He's going to be a guy that gets talked about a lot in the preseason Heisman conversation. I know what Jordan Travis is. And that's the fun part about spring games. We get to see a lot from the reserves. I want to see what's behind Jordan Travis. Because same thing, like I said, with the transfer portal, the margins for Florida State are going to be very, very thin. Like for them to achieve what they want to achieve, they can maybe lose one game. I say maybe lose one game. And the nature of football, man, it gives and it takes. And a lot of the time, it's difficult for the way that Jordan Travis plays to go the length of the season without being at least a little bit dinged up. We saw it last year in the Louisville game. Jordan Travis takes a tough hit. Tate Rodemaker, you're in the game. Your whole season at that point in time was depending on Tate Rodemaker. There will be a time, I believe, at this point in time, or with this season for Florida State, where they need something from someone else in this quarterback room. Now, you hope that's not the case. You hope Jordan Travis stays healthy, obviously. But when you jump out of a plane, there's a reason why you don't just have one parachute. And that's what Florida State is preparing to do as they try to make a college football playoff run. So A.J. Duffy, Tate Rodemaker, Brock Glenn, how do they look? Do they look comfortable? If that first parachute isn't able to go, if Jordan Travis does go down again, do they look like they're in command of the offense? The offense doesn't miss a beat. You're still getting through your progression smoothly. You're still able to move the ball downfield on the defense. Again, you, you hope Jordan Travis can go every single game this year. But by the nature of what football is, you need to have a backup parachute. How do they look? Because you're going to need them to make that college football playoff run is what conventional wisdom would tell you. Now, this is sort of the overarching thought for me when it comes to Florida State. They finished the year so strong. I mean, essentially, they were a top 10 team at the end of 2022. Strong bull victory over a better than most people would give credit for Oklahoma team. Organizationally, how does Florida State look? There's going to be the inevitable dose of sloppiness because it's a spring football game. You've been playing against each other. You haven't done as much 11-on-11 in the spot like this with the crowd and, and with all the excitement and the buzz. It's been behind closed doors. Now it'll be open to the public. There's going to be some sloppiness, but what I really want to see is, does Florida State look like a team that is tuning up or reassembling? And the way that that'll look, if you're reassembling as a football team, you're going to see a lot of procedural penalties, guys that are misaligned. You'll see Mike Norvell freaking out on the sideline, frustrated because you're not controlling the controllables. If you're tuning up, you'll see competitive errors. Holding penalty. Happens, man. Trying to make a play, trying to block for your guy, you get a holding. Drop passes. It's going to happen in the fall, too. 
You'd like to have a lesser number of those, obviously, but you're going to see some of that. If I see more tuning up than reassembling, as a Florida State fan, I feel more assured that, okay, when we hit the ground, when we hit the ground running against LSU, we're going to be ready to roll. Because we're not having to rebuild this whole car. We're, we're not trying to get ourselves back to a spot where we're ready to accelerate. We're just tuning the engine right now. We're fine-tuning all the issues we have internally, roster-wise, schematically. We're just working out the kinks. When it's time to go, we're ready to go. And that's what you would like to feel like leaving the spring game for Florida State. It's tough to read too much into it. Like I said, I, I don't want to give any permission to overreact. If you see a bunch of issues with alignment and assignment, but I just believe that for Florida State, they have been building to a year like this. They paid Mike Norvell for a reason. Yes, for all the good things he's done. They paid him for the future, too. They paid him to get a lot more than just a you know solid bowl win. They want to go ahead and win the ACC. They want to play for the college football playoff. And the beautiful part about it is you got Jordan Travis back. You got Jared Verse back. Got some key pieces through the portal. You have every right to believe that's a possibility this coming season. You can set your sights on that. That's not overly optimistic. So Florida State, some things to watch during the spring game, but I promise you it will be, it'll be a whole lot of fun to watch. It'll be a whole lot of fun to watch. I'll leave it at that. The Knowles, man, for good reason. Got the folks fired up. Now, another individual who stays fired up is Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck, and he was kind enough to spend some time with us and sit down and talk about culture, talk about the direction of the Big Ten and what they're going to be when USC and UCLA gets at it. How does that affect recruiting? Something that I was wondering, something he talked about, and we're very grateful for his transparency. So without further ado, here is Minnesota head coach, wrote about P.J. Fleck. We are now joined by the head coach of Minnesota football coach, P.J. Fleck. Coach, whenever I see you on the sideline, like you just have so much juice and, and clear love for the game. Where does that come from for you? Well, first of all, thanks for having us on, J.D. Um, you know, I think it's just uh, the, the love and passion for sport. Uh, I was a kid that played four sports growing up. I was involved in everything. I had a ton of energy as a kid, and I think sports was a release for probably my parents just to be able to get me out of the house, uh, keep me doing different activities, and, and get me to go to bed at night. So I just fell in love with competition. I fell in love with all types of sports uh, at a very early age, and uh, obviously that's carried over into, uh, you know, 42-year-old head coach now. And it's infectious. I mean, watching your team play, obviously they respond to you, and y'all had a ton of success last year. Nine wins, got a bowl victory. What's the feel around your team going into 2023? You got winter conditioning behind you now into spring ball. What's the feel around Minnesota? Well, it's exciting. We, we've got a very youthful team, inexperienced team. You know, last year we benefited, pretty much the last few years, we benefited off a very experienced team. Guys that have played a ton of football for us, Tanner Morgan, Mariano Sori Marin, uh, Jordan Howden. You know, Muhammad Ibrahim, I and mean, we had a lot of guys who played a ton of football for us. And now we transition into some inexperienced guys, which is really exciting uh, as we go forward. Uh, but it's this is a fun team to coach because whatever you put in front of them, they just knock it down. Um, this is a team that continues to grow at a very, very rapid rate. And uh, they have big visions of what they want to accomplish in 2023. And I think that's what's exciting about this football team is even though they're inexperienced, they've seen what other teams have done here and they have massive expectations for themselves. When you look at this roster, what are some of those areas of opportunity? You mentioned guys stepping into new leadership roles, but maybe on the field, what are some of those areas that you're really excited for America to see come fall? 
Well, like anything, the quarterback position, I mean, technically as a head football coach, I've had two quarterbacks that actually played for me throughout 10 years. Think about that. Uh, you know, Zach Terrell at Western Michigan and then Tanner Morgan, our entire time here at the University of Minnesota, who ended up being the all-time, you know, winningest quarterback in the history of the school. And, and now we transition into a new quarterback. And Ethan Calacamanis is a young man who got in there halfway through the season last year, won a bunch of games, won the bowl game. And then Cole Kramer is right there in the hunt too, uh, who's been around here for a lot of years. Uh, but I think the quarterback position, I think every team starts and ends with that. I think Ethan's got and Cole both have incredible intangible. They both have incredible talent, uh, not only just their skill, uh, but that's going to be huge in terms of the leadership of the entire football team, not just on the off side, but the defensive special teams. And then returning a guy by the name of Tyler Newbin, everybody understands and knows he came back on the defensive side of the ball. So we're looking for his leadership. And then uh, Brevin Span Ford, Chris Ottman Bell. Then we've added a bunch of new pieces on the offense, defense, and even special teams that I think collectively as a team, if this team is, is really, truly a connected team, which you see all in college football, college basketball, we have no idea what your roster is even going to look like until June, uh, which is exciting. You know, we basically have three to four signing periods almost uh, and three recruiting cycles per year uh, these days with the transfer portal. But I, I really like how this team's coming together. A lot of people aren't going to know much about our team, but I think this is a team that uh, you know has a chance and ability to have a lot of success. And that was one of those things I wanted to talk to you about, Coach, with just the way that not just college football, but you said it, just college sports in general with the transfer portal and NIL, how do you tailor your pitch differently to try and get the right personnel into your locker room? Well, it's pretty much been the same pitch for us. Uh, this is going on year 11. It's all about fit. You know, we don't necessarily believe in recruiting. We believe in selecting. From the student athletes perspective selecting us and then for us selecting them it's got to be a relationship that fits more important than ever in college football right now people are picking places because of packages because of deals because of who's given more money uh, what does the nil look like more than ever uh, that's not necessarily you know 95 percent of your time in that university is going to be spent in that head coaches or that football environment or that culture you know, under that watch, under those standards and those observations and those rules and expectations. So I think fit's more important than it's ever been. And I think that's what we've always fallen back in on. I'm not for everybody. I know I get a lot of attention for saying that, but every coach isn't for everybody. Or there'd only be one college coach that everybody went to. So we're all about selecting. Uh, you know, we talk about loving your life academically, athletically, socially, spiritually. If you like, you got a chance to be a heck of a football player because football is a piece of our life. And I think there's a lot of people out there that value that and don't value that. And we're just looking for the people who really, really value their entire life and know how one thing affects everything and who want to be better people. And if you're a better person, you will be a better person. It's all part of your life. So I think fit is more important than anything right now transition into this, this new era of college football. When it comes to fit, a lot of kids want to talk about, you know, what culture is, is best for me at this program or that program. For you, how would you define your culture at Minnesota and how you run things? Well, first of all, I think that, you know, every single person throws the word culture around. It's one of the most overused words in sports uh, without any true, clear definition of what it actually is. And everybody has their own version of it. Everybody that runs a sports team has their own culture, whether they say the word or not. But for us, we define and just kidding people. Uh, that, that's all cultures do is connect people. And we're going to connect people differently than a different team. And that team's going to connect differently than another team. And we actually name our culture. It's called the hyperculture, H-Y-P-R-R. -R. Now, it's an acronym, but 
everything we do fits within those five things the how yours process result and response and it, i'm not going to get into what all that means but everything we do fits into that standards expectations how we work our response mechanisms how we value data and results uh, the type of work ethic we have our vision for the whole program and then the type of people we bring in so everybody has their own culture it's just we define it and i think uh you know when you're at the university of minnesota i mean you've got to have a pretty clear direct vision uh, of what you want especially when you know there's you know we, we take four or five kids out of the state of minnesota every year and you're going more national uh and you've got to be able to tell why people should come to minnesota what it's going to be like not only here at the university or in the state of minnesota but also within your culture. I think that's really important. And coach, the Big Ten is going to be looking a little bit different here in, in the coming years. USC and UCLA are going to be joining the conference. Sounds like there might be even more teams, depending on what you know the tectonic plates of college football look like. In your mind, what's the direction of the Big Ten in terms of you know how it could look for y'all with expansion? Yeah, championship football. I mean, the, the standard keeps going up. And you look into the additions of the league with UCLA and UCLA or USC and UCLA, it's only getting better, right? This isn't like, hey, who are we going to select just out of just a bunch of average teams? This is who are we selecting of the elite of the elite? And I think that's a lot of fun. You know, we're getting rid of the divisions. We're going one through 16. I think it becomes one of the power conferences that, you know, the SEC, the Big Ten, you start hearing about those two conferences really separating themselves and, and I think they've they've definitely done that by the addition of UCLA and, and, and USC. Uh, and who knows what college football looks like in two more years? I mean, we have no idea. So, but I think it's in a very very healthy state, especially as we get into the college football playoff expansion. Uh, I think it becomes a very very attractive conference, even more than it is now. And it's one of the most premier conferences in the league, college football. And I think adding UCLA and USC only add to that, not only on the field but off the field. Uh, in terms of the academic standards that the Big Ten has. And you talked about recruiting nationally. Does adding two schools from the West Coast, in your mind, potentially extend Minnesota's reach or other schools you know, within your geographical region reach on a recruiting standpoint? Well, I do know that our assistant coaches want it to. They, they want to go spend some days in Malibu and Los Angeles. Uh, they want to take that over for sure, especially in January. They're, they're like, we need to hit the West Coast, coach. Uh, but I, I think that for us, I think the way TV has technically changed locations, I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, who you played and where you played, whether conference, non-conference, you could bring your market, bring your value, bring your team, how you play to another region and get those people in that region to watch you. These days, you can watch every game. I mean, you can watch games and, and soccer games in the Premier League in Europe at all hours of the night. I mean, we have access to just so much sports and so many teams that I don't necessarily think that it, even having them maybe even helps us in recruiting. I just think it expands the Big Ten, uh, uh, you know, the, the Big Ten footprint uh, from West Coast to East Coast to North to South. It, it truly makes it uh, from uh, like a national conference. And I think that that's critical for the development of our league as we go from, you know, the, the, the Big Ten alumni on the on the West Coast. East Coast, North and South. I think I think it's critical uh, for the development and the expansion of the Big Ten. But to think that you know we're going to get just more players because we're playing a team UCLA and USC, I think they see those matchups anyway. Whether it's bowl games or they see those a non-conference play, they see that anyway with the TV markets and the TV deals these days. 
It's funny, the colder it gets, I'm sure, in Minnesota, the better the talent maybe looks on the West Coast. So, hey, we got to go, hey, go see this guy. You know, his grade's looking like it's getting even better as the snow continues to pour uh, in Minnesota. Coach, last question for you before we get you out of here. We appreciate all your time. What does row the, be- row the boat specifically mean for this year's team? Well, first of all, we got to create it all. You know, I think that's what it means for this team. I mean, we've got to make sure that everybody has in their oar in the water, rowing in the same direction. Uh, making sure everybody's going the same direction and the same speed. We got to make sure that we get everybody caught up the boat. I mean, we've got to be able to put the sacrifice before anything. We've got to be able to trust each other, players to players, coach to coach, coach to player, player to coach. Trust is incredibly important. And then serving your teammates, uh, you know, serving each other, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to be there, building the biggest boat possible. And then our compass is, you know, we got to be exactly who we say we are. You know, if we want to be able to be a championship program, then everything we do and who we surround ourselves with has to be done at that championship standard. And then obviously row the boat night means never give up. So you you keep doing that no matter if it's good or bad. You know, I mean, I think we're in a society right now if everybody just wants to hear how good they're doing. It's really hard to hear that you're not doing certain things that are right. Uh, you know, we don't want to hear the negative, but we really want to hear the positive. Well, there's both to growth. You know, I wear a tie on the sideline. And I wear a tie on the sideline to represent a man who is still one of the most influential men in my life today, Mike Nolan, who told me in a meeting, I wasn't good enough. He cut me. He said, you're not good enough. You'll never play in the National Football League again. Please stop. You're actually hurting the league by by playing. Just stop. You're not good enough anymore. And I wear a tie on the sideline to represent him and the amount of impact he had on my life for the transparency and the honesty. And I wouldn't be where I am without him today. So sometimes, you know, we want to hear – all this good, 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 but we got to grow the accountability and responsibility and hearing those hard conversations. Um, it's getting tougher and tougher in 2023 to hold people to that standard without the fear of somebody just walking out of your program. But, you know, the right ones stay and the right fit stay. And and um, that's part of where college football is at right now. So that's how we're going to keep rowing the boat. Uh, look forward to coaching this team. Uh, they're a fun team to coach, that's for sure. They, they We've been four practices in. And I couldn't ask for any more out of a football team right now. And uh, that youth is really exciting. Well, we're on board, Coach. And we appreciate you spending some time with us and excited to watch y'all get after here throughout the spring and well into the fall. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, J.D. Row the boat, Sky. Mago Gophers, man. Thanks. We appreciate Coach P.J. Fleck rowing the boat with us just a little bit here, talking about his program, talking about his culture, talking about the direction of the Big Ten. Man, I need to borrow some of his juice, man, because whenever I see him on the sideline, there is never a dull moment with him. Always looks fired up. Always looks like he just is in love with what he's doing. So I love what P.J. Fleck brought to the table. And again, appreciate him spending some time with us. Now, I want to talk about another spring game, but it's not happening this weekend. The reason why we got to talk about it is because y'all have been very transparent that you care about this program. And Colorado will have their spring game April 22nd, so not this Saturday, but next Saturday. And guess what it's airing on? All the talk about the Pac-12, maybe airing on CW and all the memes about watching the Pac-12 on you know, your, your gas station pump or whatever. Colorado's playing their spring game, their practice 15 on ESPN, while Georgia's going to play their spring game on ESPN too. Back-to-back national champs, Georgia Bulldogs, playing on ESPN too. So what do we look for for Colorado? They've already sold it out. There's been a ton of buzz about the players they brought in through the portal, one of the top portal classes since this thing has been in existence. Coach Prime went and got 
20 plus guys to come and add to the efforts that he's putting together in Boulder, Colorado, because this team went one and 11 a season ago. So the temptation when you watch Colorado is going to be to say, uh, swipe, swipe to the next one. They don't look like they're the team that I want to see, or that they don't look like they're the team that's going to go and, you know, achieve all the hype that I'm hearing from these people. Slow down a little bit. Slow down a little bit. This is a rebuild. This is a revamp. And what he's trying to do is get the talent level back to where it needs to be to compete to how they want to compete. So it's a slow build, but one of the things that's going to depend on in 2023 is his son at quarterback, Shadour Sanders. Now, Shadour Sanders, obviously playing at Jackson State, there wasn't quite as much national attention, and everyone's going to question the level of competition he played against, and that's fine. Say what you want, he threw for 70 touchdowns and 14 picks. Now, again, it was against that competition at the FCS level, but still, that's no slouch of a resume. And so much of what Colorado achieves in 2023 is going to be based on what he's able to do for them. I, did, I talked about this in a, in a separate video, but your quarterback, we saw Alabama do it, which is, which is a, a funny comp to say Alabama and situation they're at and Colorado situation they're in, but we saw, we, we've seen it before. The quarterback can cover up so much of what you don't have within your team. Like Colorado, I would venture to say, even with all they've done through with the portal, they're probably going to have some steps they have to take offensively on the offensive line. Now, if Shadour Sanders is in tune, if he's able to, you know, be on the money schematically and able to, you know, be up to speed here pretty quickly, that offensive line, they don't have to block for four seconds. You need to give me two and a half so I can get to my first read to my second read to where we're good to go. Like, I don't need you holding up the pass rush for eternity. I just need you to give me a couple of seconds to get through what I need to get through. It's the same token. If he's able to be in sync with those receivers... The receivers don't need to make acrobatic catches because he's putting on the money. So, so much of what we see from Colorado will sink or swim with Shadour Sanders. And I think he's a phenomenal talent. I'm just excited to see him against better competition. I don't have a ton of reservations because I haven't seen him yet. What I've seen him do, he's been really good. So, we'll keep an eye on this. Sean Lewis, for what it's worth, is the offensive coordinator right now at Colorado. Coming over from Kent State. They're, they're going to ask the quarterback to do a lot. Okay, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. They're going to they're gonna lean on Shadour Sanders to really drive the bus here for Colorado. So how he looks in the spring game is going to tell us a lot. Does he look comfortable? Does he look like this is his offense? Does he look like he's you know up to speed with everything? That's going to be really important because this is going to be the foundation for what they do in the fall. They're not going to show a ton schematically. They're not going to show you what's under the hood, but just looking comfortable in the basic stuff, I think that's important. I think that's very important. Now, make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. We talk ball here every single day, and we appreciate y'all locking in with us every single day. Also, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, at J.D. Pakel. Now, equally important is who Shadour Sanders is throwing the ball to. And Travis Hunter earned his number 12 the other day. We saw it on social media. There was a lot of conversation around who was guarding him and what they didn't have from a skill level standpoint. I'm just curious about where you end up playing Travis Hunter. And the spring game, hopefully, will give us a glimpse into that. How much do we see him at corner versus how much do you see him at wide receiver? Because here's the fact of the matter. Travis Hunter is the best player on Colorado's roster. Period. The end. Not even a conversation. The risk you run is when you ask a certain individual to multitask, you take away from them being able to focus on just one thing. So for Travis Hunter, he's learning a new playbook for receiver and for corner. And as he gets comfortable with those positions, I, I just I wonder how much attention he's able to give to both. 
I'm not saying he can't do it. That's just my concern. Is he able to be great at both things? Individually, if he were to just play corner or just play receiver, I wholeheartedly believe he can be. I'm not even saying he can't do both at an elite level. I'm just saying for the average Joe like myself, that's conventional wisdom would say that that's a tall task. So for Travis Hunter, what's the, the split for him when it comes to running with the ones and twos on offense versus defense? He's going to be a guy for you this year, obviously. But what's the split like? Excited to watch that unfold as well. Now, here's the big question. Like I said, it's it's a revamp, right? It's a rebuild. They went and got a lot of talent from the portal. They're still trying to build this thing up organizationally. Same question I had about Florida State. I have about Colorado. How well are they meshing? Because when you bring in so many new individuals, the good part is the talent level goes up. The unfortunate part is you have to start from square one with everybody. New staff, new culture, new approach. The reality is, Whenever you start something new, more often than not, there's growing pains. And growing pains are just that. They're uncomfortable. They don't feel good. Sometimes they're ugly. The end result is pretty good if you can endure the growing pains. What kind of growing pains do we see in the spring football game? How, how many growing pains do we see in the spring football game? Do we see the offense look like they're all on the same page? Do we see the, the defense look like they're aligned and know what they're doing? Because that's just the reality. When you're learning something new, like I said, with spring football, there's the inevitable sloppiness that's going to be there. Is the sloppiness we dropped a pass or is the sloppiness we can't block for our quarterback or we're not getting to the right progression on the defense and on the offense? Like That's just something I'm curious to see. It should be a good, a good temperature for what Colorado is going to be coming this fall. Not an absolute. We're not making any evaluations off of this spring game. I believe in Shadur Sanders. I believe in Travis Hunter. I believe in Coach Prime and his vision. Now, then putting it into practice is going to be what I'm most curious to see. So we're not making any predictions on, on Colorado. We're not making any predictions on what they're going to be in 2023 at this point in time. But I'm excited to see what they look like in their first day out of the shoot. Should be a whole lot of fun. Now, the biggest thing that we got to talk about with Colorado, which is arguably more important than the spring game, is the recruiting spectacle that that will be. I've told you about that here before. Whenever you take a visit, I heard personnel people talk about this at the personnel symposium this past summer in Nashville. They came here and dropped some knowledge on us. They said, we're trying to do two things when you come and visit our campus. One, we're trying to wow you. Two, we're trying to make you feel like you're comfortable and you're at home. Sold out crowd. Coach Prime, as charismatic as he is, being able to see the product on the field. What's the impact like from this spring game on the recruiting trail? Now, Josh Newberg, recruiting analyst here for us at On3, has got a video. It may already be out, actually, by the time you're seeing this, but he's got a list of visitors that are headed to Boulder this coming, I guess, two weekends. Go check that out. That should be pretty telling. But I'm excited to see the ripple effects recruiting-wise from this spring game. So we'll keep an eye on this. Colorado is going to be fascinating this coming year. And we're going to take a good temperature from this spring game. So we'll enjoy that there. Now, another spring game needs to be talked about. Down there in Columbus, Ohio, the Buckeyes will have their spring game this coming Saturday. And one of the storylines we were all watching was Devin Brown versus Kyle McCord. All spring long, we're tracking the battle that's going on at the quarterback position. C.J. Stroud might be the first quarterback, might be the first pick taken in the NFL draft. So those are big shoes to fill. It's a Ferrari you're inheriting. 
Who's it going to be? Well, that race got a little bit less interesting in the spring game, at least, because Devin Brown getting surgery on a finger on his throwing hand. Nothing serious, not ideal, but he's out for the spring game. So, Kyle McCord, stage is yours, man. The stage is yours to make a statement. In my mind, if Kyle McCord goes out there and just balls out, let's say he's looking efficient, multiple touchdowns, no picks, leads multiple scoring drives, I think this is the chance for Kyle McCord to make this thing unofficially officially his. Like, it won't be announced to the public. Ryan Day is not going to come out after the spring game and say number six is our quarterback. We're going to have to wait a while for that. But I think there will be a very good sense around the college football landscape, starting with the epicenter in Columbus, Ohio, that Kyle McCord will be QB1 for the Buckeyes if he puts on a show. Now, if he comes out there and looks a little bit, lack, little bit lackluster, throws a couple picks, maybe only leads one scoring drive, looks inefficient, misses some, some layups in terms of you know open throws, then you start to say, huh, well, Devin Brown's coming back in the fall. Let's let this thing roll into fall camp. It'll be a good battle. We'll see. Kyle McCord didn't give any inspiration for us to feel like he's going to be the guy. Let's hope Devin Brown can bring some juice. We'll see how that shakes out. I think Kyle McCord, though, like I said, has a very real chance to unofficially, officially slam the door shut on this competition. Now, I said this yesterday as well. Just because Kyle McCord could unofficially, officially make himself that QB1 for Ohio State, that does not mean Devin Brown is hitting the portal. Does not mean that. Now, if Kyle McCord were to, and this is a whole other conversation we got to have, but if Kyle McCord were to look like he's going to be a two-year guy as opposed to just a one-year guy, meaning he has a good 2023, but probably needs another year to elevate his draft stock, and it's going to be his team again in 2024, then maybe we start having the Devin Brown portal conversation. But I just want to reassure you right now, if Kyle McCord goes out and balls out and makes it look like he's QB1, that does not mean you lose Devin Brown. So rest easy, Buckeye fans, knowing that. Now, we also got to talk about this in the spring game. Is the secondary for Ohio State in position to make some plays? I got more thoughts on that. I'll explain what I mean, but y'all, make sure you subscribe. We talk ball here every single day. We appreciate you for it. Lock in with us. You found your home for all things college football. So thank you for that. Also, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram at J.D. Paquel. Now, as I was saying, is the secondary looking like they're at least in position to make some plays. And if you remember back to last year, the secondary felt like at times it was the Achilles heel for why Ohio State didn't go on and play for a national title and accomplish all their goals and why they didn't beat Michigan and didn't beat Georgia. But it was never like Ohio State was just losing jump balls. It wasn't like they're one-on-one -on -one and the ball's up in the air and their DB has a chance to make a play and just doesn't come down with it. That wasn't the sentiment you left with whenever you watched Ohio State have these frustrating losses to Georgia and Michigan last year. What did you feel like? Man, that was a busted coverage. Man, they were out of position. Man, we were misaligned. I mean, I, we, we were at the game in Columbus where Cornelius Johnson is catching a pass, breaking one tackle, he's gone to the house. Or defensive back falls down, deep touchdown. It wasn't like he just got outplayed. It was you weren't in position. Now, remember, Ohio State, that defensive back unit, they go against the best receiving core in the country every single day at practice. Iron sharpens iron. What do they look like in the spring game? The thing I'm looking for, even if they lose the jump ball to insert stud wide receiver here, even if you do get you know a, a highlight reel play on you, were you in position? Because if you're in position, that's the majority of the battle. That is 75% of the way there. Then it's just about finishing. 
and we can work with you if all you need to do is finish the play. Like finishing the play, we can work on that in the fall. We work on that during the summer. Like there, there's room for that. Are you in position to make plays? Because that means you know what you're doing. That means you're capable of being in the right place at the right time. That means you have good football instincts. All those things are the price of admission. And there were times last year, multiple times last year, where Ohio State probably has a different outcome to their season if that's not the case. Especially against Michigan, especially against Georgia. So are you in position to make plays for the secondary? Something to watch for if you're a Buckeye fan. Now, this is the beautiful part about spring football, man. We talked about the, the freshmen we're focusing on earlier in this live show. Spring football is all about the newbies. And the portal has supplied a little bit more new faces than we've seen in recent history in college football. But Ohio State, man, Columbus attracts talent. And there's a couple of guys that have really made some noise during spring camp. Carnell Tate being one of them. Lost his black stripe before Marvin Harrison Jr. did when he was a freshman. I'm not saying Carnell Tate's Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm just saying that's a good buzz to have about your freshman. Will, how, how will he factor in in the fall, man? I don't know, but I'm excited to see him get some run in the shoe. That'll be a whole lot of fun to see what 17 does. Jelani Thurman, he is a different beast. He's a tight end. He's also a freshman early enrollee, 6'6", six six, 253 pounds. Y'all, that is a grown man, and he should still be in high school. People close to Ohio State say they haven't had a tight end like him in some time. He's a different genre of what they've had at tight end. I'm not, I'm not saying Stover's not still tight end one, but I'm saying Jelani Thurman could be a mismatch, uh, a mismatch chess piece for Ryan Day and for Ryan Hartland in that offense. So keep an eye on what they do during this spring football game. If they flash, great, but just see how they look and w- what groups they're running with. Should tell us a little bit of something. Now defensively, like I was just saying, the secondary, they know they got to improve. Went to the portal. Two guys I really want to watch for in this spring game. One of them being Ole Miss or former Ole Miss cornerback, Davison Igbenosan. Been balling all, all camp. A guy they're excited about. A guy they think they can, they can compete for them. Could play opposite Denzel Burke. And then Jihad Carter, the safety from Syracuse. Just what do they look like during the spring football game? Do they look up to speed in the complex defense that Jim Knowles calls? He's a mad scientist of college football. He, he likes to rock and roll with the safeties and the DBs and likes to play a complex look. How comfortable do they look in this sort of defense right now? These fresh faces, because here's the deal. You will go as far as your depth allows you to go. I've beat that drum all offseason long. I beat that drum all spring long. But these guys, some of them might be starters. The guys I mentioned on offense may or may not be starters. Those defensive guys, they'll, they'll contribute for you. We'll see where they play. But you're going to need your entire, you're going to need everybody. You need your whole entire roster. You also brought these new guys in. You're giving them the reps. You're giving them right now for a reason because you understand, hey, man, we got to get better. It's not acceptable to lose Michigan. It's not acceptable to not win the Big Ten and kind of be holding our breath here on Selection Sunday. Will we, won't we? That's, that's not okay with us here at Ohio State. These guys are the ones that should be, in theory, guys to help you get over the hump. They may not be leading the charge. They may, I mean, I'm not talking about Kyle McCord here. I'm not talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. here. I'm not talking about Emeka Buki here. Those guys are your front runners. Those are your thoroughbreds. The guys that are helping lift the floor of the operation. Guys that are new to the program, that are trying to buy. And those are the guys that create depth and help you get over the hump. 
Because for Ohio State, man, the standard is the standard. Nobody is saying you've lost to Michigan twice. Well, let's recalibrate that. Let's, let's see what our expectations are right now. Nobody's saying that. They expect greatness in Columbus, and they recruit accordingly at the high school level and in the portal. So we'll lock in for that one. But Kyle McCord at the quarterback battle, secondary being in a position to make plays, and the new faces adding in to what Ohio State already does really well. Should be a whole lot of fun. Now, shout out to everybody that's watching live right now. Make sure you're subscribed. Please, helps us do more of what you want to see. I'll leave it at that. Now, shout out to the podcast, too. Y'all aren't watching live, but we love you to death. We love y'all for being locked in right now. We got one more spring game to break down here. That's the good people in College Station. The Texas A&M Aggies. Let's talk about this. They were extremely disappointing for what they did in 2022. For how well they've recruited, for the buzz around them in the offseason, for Jimbo Fisher having some jewelry they have underachieved. The great news about that is it's no longer 2022. You turn the page. The other good news is you bring back some experience. 82% production returns on offense, 77 production returns on defense. I'll start with this. I'm not overly concerned about the defense. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about the defense for the spring game because, quite frankly, it's hard to learn, about it, learn a lot about a defense during spring football anyway because you're not hitting the quarterback. Your pass rush is... 75%-ish, depending on who's playing quarterback. You're not, you know, you're not playing real defense, if that makes sense. Someone comes over the middle, you're not just teeing off on that receiver. You're protecting each other. So the defense, I think, has a chance to be really good. I don't think the defense will be the problem this year, as it wasn't last year either. They only allowed 23 points a game. That's winning football defensively. And you bring back 77% of that. So keep an eye on the defense, obviously, throughout the spring, but I'm not overly concerned. What really has my attention is Connor Wegman. Most people assume he'll be your starter day one in College Station. Does he pick up where he left off last year? Had a really strong finish against LSU, went 12 for 18. The entirety of the year, he had like 55% completion percentage, had one game that really dragged down his percentage against Auburn. But as a whole, I mean, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. You kind of felt like A&M had some new life with him at quarterback. Does he show promise for the direction of AM football? Because his progress, giving AM direction on offense, could change this whole thing around. Like if Connor Wegman comes out and is one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC next year, and you pair that with one of the better defenses, they're in good shape, man. Like we're talking about AM in a completely different light. And everybody has said the same thing about AM. I'll say it one more time. It's not a matter of talent. It'd be one thing if AM was just recruiting at a subpar level and they never won there, and there was no resources, and everyone's just like, hey, A&M, if you could make a bowl game, that'd be great. That's not what we're saying with A&M. Prior to this past class in 2023, they'd recruited primarily within the top 10. And some guys hit the portal, yes, but a lot of those guys are still on that roster. Connor Wegman being one of them. Evan Stewart being one of them. Reuben Owens from this past cycle in 2023, he's early enrollee. He's the top three back in the country. So they have some talent on this roster. They're not just high and dry here in College Station. So that's why expectations are what they are. But if Connor Wegman can help capitalize on that offensively and pair that with a good defense, like, hey, now, might be cooking with peanut oil. Now, here's the major caveat. What's the direction of the offense? 
right? And we want to see that in the spring game. We kind of pair that with Connor Wegman, how comfortable he looks as being the guy, and does he look like he's in command of the offense? Does it look like his team? The major caveat is, does the offense have a new direction? Because it was the press conference heard around the world for like the second year in a row now at a college station. Year before it was the Jimbo and Saban beef, and this year it was the Bobby Petrino questions towards Jimbo Fisher and how he answers those. Just made everybody feel uncomfortable. I don't care if you're saying I haven't seen the Jimbo Fisher press conference. You're just wrong. Um, here's the deal. The offensive strategy a year ago wasn't cutting it. Okay, it doesn't take a football mind to recognize that. You're saying you're recruiting these elite talents, but you're scoring like 22 points a game. What's up with that? Some ain't adding up, Chief. So whether you believe he was forced to or not, Jimbo Fisher brings in Bobby Petrino. Does it look like Jimbo Fisher's offense or Bobby Petrino's offense come Saturday? I mean, it's going to be vanilla. It's going to be basic. But you can sort of tell by the approach and by what Connor Wegman looks like, whose offense it's going to be. I say you can sort of tell. You can't totally tell. You won't get a total picture. But does it look like a different offense schematically than what we saw a season ago? That's going to be crucial to this offense's progress, to Connor Wegman's progress, because what they did a season ago was not it. Why is it so important for Bobby Petrino to take over the offense? Because we've already seen what Jimbo Fisher's offense looks like. That's not me dunking on Jimbo Fisher. It's just the facts. You recruit too well. You have too many resources. Quite frankly, you have too good a quarterback to score 22 points a game. So for Bobby Petrino, does he get the sticks? And do we see some sort of a semblance of that in the spring game? And Connor Webman looking the part will obviously be a big part of it as well. Maroon and White game, though, that'll be interesting. There's a lot of fascinating programs we're breaking down on this live show, from A&M to Colorado to Florida State. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. That's the beautiful thing that is spring game season. Now, we posed a question on my Twitter page, and I just said, what are you watching for in spring games? Like, the fact that we have it on the TV is just beautiful. We're all watching something when it comes to the spring game. I want to hear from y'all, and y'all answered in elite fashion, as you always do. So now to break it all down, bring it on the keeper of the queue, Nick, heavy lifter break. Nick, how we doing, my guy? Well, J.D., um, the people have spoken, obviously, the tweets, but I put out a poll. How many spring games do you watch each year? 11% of people are like me and said absolutely none. Uh, 56% said their own team, and that's it. Okay. Um, 29% say they watch a few, and then 5% are like you, and they'll say they watch more than just a few games. Okay. Okay, I mean, I appreciate that's, that's about what you would expect, mm -hmm. right? The majority is going to watch their fans. Or it's being, th their fan base will watch their team. Like, I appreciate that. It is practice after all, but yeah, man. I mean, just the fact that it's on TV again, that 5% uh, that number makes me pretty happy. But we press on. What we got from the good people today, Nick? Um, two tweets. Uh, one at the Petty Gator says the visits, and of course also rain yep so florida playing their spring football game tonight the rain you hope there's no rain in gainesville especially when you got a bunch of visitors in town but that's what i really want to hone in on spring games you can play them behind closed doors and be fine you could get the work that you want to get done and be fine a lot of it is for the fans a lot of it is for creating a spectacle for recruits to come and check out and that's why a lot of these coaches you see them putting out calls to action on Twitter or on the social media page for their respective institution. Say, hey, come out and support. Come out and watch the game. We got to sell this thing out. It's not for them. 
Like, Kirby Smart doesn't need a sold-out G-Day for himself to feel good about what he's got going with his team. He doesn't need to feel like there's support from the student body for the G-Day. He needs the support because they got a bunch of big-time ballers coming into town to check out what the experience is like in Athens. And some of these guys will take visits in the fall. Some of them are going to decide before their senior season. So this might be their last time to really get a good look at you before they make their decision. And you want the impression that you leave to be, wow, this is pretty cool. This place is sold out. Energy is amazing. Good product on the field. Coach, I'm ready to commit. That's the perfect world you'd like to live in. So I think what he's saying is very, very fair. The visitors at the spring game, who you have a chance to make an impression on, deserve some watching. Great question by Petty Gator. Petty Gator, enjoy your spring football game tonight, brother. Should be a lot of fun. What else we got, Big Nick? Um, next one coming uh, from, let me pull it up. From at Dearmond Garrett, defensive line play, and obviously Jackson Arnold slinging the rock for the first time in yeah. Norman. How about that, man? Good to see some freshmen. Jackson Arnold, by all accounts, everyone I've talked to at Oklahoma, says he is that dude. Okay, they, they say he might be the most talented quarterback in that room. I did not say he's the best quarterback in that room. I did not say he's going to be your starter, but they say just based off of the juice that he has, he might be the best talent in that room so I'm excited to see him much like Arch Manning a lot of what we've heard is you're watching huddle tape and you're hearing other people's thoughts on him and if you're smart you're reading Charles Power's guiding report this is a great chance for us just to watch these dudes get out there play 11 on 11 football and make our own assessment not a highlight tape not you know camp footage real football real-ish football as he's probably wearing a non-contact jersey but for Oklahoma it went and retooled a lot through the portal on the defensive line I don't know how much you learn about the defensive line during a spring game, to be honest with you. You like to see it look good. You like to see there be a solid push and see them move the line of scrimmage. But spring games are interesting because you're trying to take care of each other, too. So you're not running, you know, inside zone as much as you might in a real game. You're not calling, you know, power run football to try and impose your will on the defense because it's like, hey, man, we want to keep everybody healthy. Like any coach would tell you, we're doing our job if we keep this team healthy. So defensive line for sure watch it look at how they rotate their players in but i would be a little bit more focused on the skill players and the quarterbacks because those guys might give us a little bit more of a sample size to work with but nonetheless a great question oklahoma i believe their spring game is next weekend as well so them in colorado on the same weekend but i promise you we'll have a preview for it we'll break it down it'll be a lot of fun and as always we're we're gonna watch that one mm -hmm. good deal nick you had your spring game yesterday, a spring exhibition game, a little kickball action. Spring kickball, kickball, uh, the adult kickball league here in Nashville um, in my neighborhood. And yeah. Went two for three? Two for three. I had one go off the shin. Um, made a good play to win the game in the outfield, so I'll take it though. Okay. You Got made a play to win the game in the outfield. Mm -hmm. Two, two outs. We were up seven eight, or eight seven. Other team storming back in uh, Jurassic Bark. We got it done. Jurassic Bark. Well, shout out Jurassic Bark, Nick. You're the man. We'll see you Tuesday. Yep. We'll see you Tuesday. Good deal. Again, Nick, break. Make it a play to win the game for Jurassic Bark, man. The, the pride of Nashville kickball. Appreciate all that he does. Obviously, heavy lifter, doing everything that you see here. Everything that you're listening to here, if you're on podcast. And I'll just make one more plug there. If you're on Apple, you're on Spotify. You can find The Hard Count in your podcast feed. Go ahead and search The Hard Count with Jody Pacquel. Promise you, we'll be sitting there. Give us a five-star review. Give us a listen. Everybody wins. We win. You win. Everybody wins with the spring games this coming Saturday. 
Florida plays tonight. Miami plays tomorrow. This is a beautiful thing. Enjoy this. We don't get much more football outside of the XFL for a while. So really savor it. Get all the meat off the bone. And we will always, always have you covered for college football content, though, as college football doesn't stop on this channel. All right, now we're going to keep the party rolling. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We will see y'all next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.